I want you to think about your week. Stop for just a minute and go back through it in your head. Some of you had a week that you did not expect. <laughs> Actually, probably most of you had a week that you did not expect. It's just the weather. Um, it's kind of crazy. But if you were to summarize, and I'm, please don't do this out loud, but if you were to summarize your week and say, this was the focus of my week, this was the goal of my week, this was, this was what I was looking to accomplish this week, just think for a minute and answer that question in your own heart. What was, what was it that I was trying to get done this week? Acts 4.31 has been a verse that we have been looking at for, this will be the eighth week, and this will be the final week in this series. But Acts 4.31 says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. See, this was the answer to the prayer that they had when the disciples were gathered together and they'd been told that they could no longer speak in the name of of Jesus Christ and they prayed to God to say God please give us the strength fill us with your spirit help us to speak your word boldly and so God answered that prayer and he shook that place and and this prayer this prayer was lived out in the church this prayer was was lived out it wasn't just a, a prayer that we prayed and and we all got together and agreed that we're going to pray this and it was a prayer that was prayed for a reason they were actually trying to accomplish something they were actually trying to get this thing done so this prayer was lived out in the church at that point in time a man named Jim Berg wrote a few books and in one of the books um, that I was reading this week of his it, it, he has this quote he says what we really think is important is revealed by the content of our prayers what we really think is important in life is revealed by the content of our prayers when you look at this prayer of the early church their prayer was to be filled with the Spirit and to speak the Word of God boldly I'm bring you back again what was the goal this week what were you looking at accomplishing what were you trying to get done what was driving you this week you know, the last eight weeks as we've looked at this verse, we've looked at it in the context of saying, how do I get to the point in my spiritual life where, where when I pray, I feel like it is effective, like the disciples' prayer was effective, or I feel like that it's being answered like the disciples' prayers were being answered. And I want to review real quickly what we've talked about over these last eight weeks. Now, if you weren't able to be here for them... Um, you can catch all of them on our website. You can see them online. But I'll just kind of give you the highlights over the last eight weeks. First week, we talked about the fact that the ultimate task of every follower of Christ, of every believer in Christ, the ultimate task that we've been given is to reach out with our faith, to share it with those that are around us. And we said that as we reach out, as we reach out to others, we learn to glance at our problems, then we learn to gaze upon God. What was your goal this week? We learned that prayer is the action of believing. Prayer is not this thing that just happens while we sit around and wait. It's not filler time. It's not transition in a worship service. It is the 
action of believing. When we pray, we are praying and say, God, we believe that you can do something, so I'm taking action by praying and believing in you. And if we truly believe that God is who he says he is and that God can do what he says that he can do, then we will pray. What was your goal this week? We learned that God actually wants me to know his will. God wants me to be able to know and follow him and to do the things that he has designed me to do. And we learned that when we, when we need to do this, that we have to learn to see our life and our circumstances through the lens of the Bible, not the Bible through the lens of our circumstances in life. See, we've learned that we've got to turn that around a little bit, that we have to say that whatever this word says, that's what's true, that's my goal, that's what I want to get done. Not, oh my gosh, I see all my circumstances, let me flip through here, see if I can't find something that tells me something about this. That we learn to live our life through the lens of the Bible, what was the goal of your week? We learned that God gave the disciples and he gives all of us the Holy Spirit, and, and he gave it the Holy Spirit to do the work of reaching the nations through the vessel of man. That God gave the Holy Spirit to us as a comforter and as a guide, but the ultimate work that he gave the Holy Spirit was to continue to be with us as we do the work to reach the nations through the vessel of mankind. And that we get to translate, as a, as a person talking to another person, that we get to translate the great story of God to someone else in a way that they can understand it and comprehend it. What was your goal this week? We learned that prayer is going to lead me to take action in my life, that prayer is not just going to be this thing that continues to go in a circle, that sometimes God says, hey, I would like to answer that prayer, but it's going to require you to actually go do something and not just continue to pray this prayer, but I would like to answer that prayer and I'd like to use you to do this. So prayer is going to lead us to take action. What was your goal this week? We learned a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that true devotion, true devotion leads to the results that we want. When we're devoted to the right things, we actually see the right things happening in life. And we learned that what the early church was devoted to, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were devoted to the fellowship, they were devoted to the breaking of bread together, and they were devoted to prayer. And so that when we're devoted and our devotion is leading in the right place, it leads to the right results. And last week, we looked at the fact that God actually does hear my prayers. God hears my prayers. And that if my life is being in touch with God, if my life is in prayer with him, that actually what we learned is that my life is the first gospel that some people will ever hear. God, pe people look at our life to see, okay, is this God really true and, and what's going on? And then we have the opportunity to share that with other people. So again, what was our goal this week? What was your week centered around? What was your week focused on? What were you trying to get accomplished this week? Did it match anything that we just talked about? You see, because here's the summary that answers the question that was asked at the very first of this whole sermon series, which is, again, how do I pray in a way that's effective like the disciples? And, and don't miss this. Here's the answer to this. Everything the disciples did and everything in the early church had a very singular focus. They were focused on accomplishing one 
thing, and that one thing was we are here to tell other people about the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. And everything else that happened in the church was a subset of them going and telling the great things that Jesus Christ had done. When you look at the content of this prayer that we see in Acts chapter 4, 30 and 31, <clears throat> we see that the prayer was to fill us with your spirit and help us to go speak your name boldly. Even in the context of opposition, God, give us the power to be able to do this. This was their singular focus. And I'm going to say it again. Everything that they did in the early church was for that single purpose, to live out the things that Jesus had called them to do. If you think about it this way, Jesus walked with the 11 disciples and we actually, or the 12 disciples, and we actually learned that he walked with many others that were with him for a period of time in his teaching. And we see that in the early part of the book of Acts, there were about 120 of them. And by the time we've reached this point in time, there's somewhere between five and 10,000 of them that are now walking with Christ. And they're all singularly focused on sharing the good news of the gospel with other people. That's why we see such power and such direction in the early church. And again, that's not all they did, but that was the focus of what they were doing. That was the impetus. That was the drive behind everything else that they were doing. We're going to come to that in a little bit. And everything they did, they were doing to live out the things that Jesus called them to do. So when you think about this, that they had been walking with Jesus, what were the last words of Jesus? Well, if you look in the book of Matthew, the very end of the book of Matthew, chapter 28, has a, a verse known as the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came near to his disciples and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And if you look at that, it actually makes perfect sense. You have to go tell someone about Jesus before you can actually teach them to follow Jesus. So it, it actually makes sense that you would begin by saying the most important thing that, that I can do as a believer is go share my faith with someone else and go tell them about the gospel. Again, what was your week focused on this week? And we see in Acts 1.8, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, what he looks at his disciples and he says, in Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So you kind of get the point I'm making this morning, I hope, by now. What would it look like if everything that you did in life, if ever, the focus of your week, if the focus of your Christian faith and your walk was everything was filtered through the lens of what it is to share my faith with those around me? That's it. And I have become more and more convinced, and I've had many conversations where people go like, man, what are you on right now? Because you're just like, oof. But I, I, will, I, could, I could tell you later, if you want to have a personal conversation, some of the things that God's been doing in my life through this. But I've just become convinced that everything that we do in our walk with Christ has to be filtered through the fact that we're sharing our faith with other people first. That's what gives everything else perspective. And I said it last week, we've created a system that somehow lets people believe that if we check all the check marks, I've read my Bible daily and I've come to church and I've done these things, but yet we're never sharing our faith, that we've built a system that lets us believe that we're actually growing in our faith. Now, I'm not saying that those things aren't important things and they're not good. Please don't hear me say that. 
But what I'm saying is I don't believe that we should ever, ever have anything in our faith that lets us believe that we're actually growing closer to Christ if we're not actually out there telling somebody about it. Why would you come to Sunday school in a Bible study class if you're not trying to figure out and learn things that you can go and share with somebody else? Why? What's the point? So that, so that we can feel warm and fuzzy. And I don't mean to be rude, but I'm like, why? Everything that we're doing needs to be pointing to the fact that we need to be sharing our faith with others. And the reason you see so much power happening in the early churches because that was the point of everything that they were doing was solely focused on the fact that we have to get this message out of here and into the hearts and the lives of people. And they didn't let anything stand in their way. So every time that they were meeting needs and every time that they were gathering together and every time that they were praying, it was all for the purpose of doing everything they can to take care of what needed to be taken care of so that they could go out and share their faith. Period. That's it. So you're going, well, hold on, Pastor. This is a series on prayer. Yeah. And I told you at the first of this series on prayer that we're going to look and see why are their prayers answered in such a way that seems to have power and things happening and stuff going on and yet our prayers sometimes don't seem that way. Well, I would ask you one more time, what was your goal this week? Because if your goal was go out and share your faith, with those that God puts in my path, then I bet you had an awesome week. I bet you grew in your faith. I bet you saw some things happen. I bet you see God working in other people's life. But if your goal this week was just another routine week to take care of the things that I think are important in my little circle of life, which hubs all around me, I bet you're going, God, do you answer prayers? God, are you here? Because if you want to see things get exciting, then start talking to other people about your faith in Christ. Period. And so with this singular focus set in place, we're going to look at one more passage. In Acts chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 32, and we're going to go through chapter 5, verse 11. But as we do this, I just want to, just want to challenge you again. What would it look like? How would it change your home life? How would it affect your schedule? What, hey, I guarantee every Sunday school teacher that's sitting in this place would love to be interrupted and throw their lesson aside today by five or six people in their class saying, hey, as I was trying to share my faith this week, I had a person ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Can somebody help me answer this question so that I can go back to my neighbor and answer this question? Any Sunday school teacher not willing to throw their lesson out for that today? There's not one. That'd be the most exciting Sunday school class ever if we got together every week and never had to teach a lesson that we had planned because we were too busy answering all the questions from everybody in our Sunday school class that was trying to share their faith with their neighbor that is going, hey, hold on. And I guarantee you'd be growing in your faith because you'd be going, whoa, it's a good question. I'm learning. I'm seeing this. You see how it all comes together and that, that works? I'm not saying this other stuff's not important. As a matter of fact, let's look at it. Because they had to take care of needs so this could be done. So we see another summary verse, if you will, another summary passage in the book of Acts. And I want to challenge you with something. Even though your Bible separates these with a chapter break, it's the same story, okay? So we're going to read it all together. Starting in verse 32, it says, Now the entire group of those who believed, 10,000 strong, the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. Whew, that's awesome. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, 
But instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. Now, you caught that, right? Everything that they were doing was because the disciples were doing what? Giving testimony of what God had done. And then it goes on and says, For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. Then this was distributed to each person as they had need. So this is the picture. We pick it on up. They're going, sharing this gospel is so important that we don't, even want, we don't want to have anybody have to worry about what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear or how they're going to take care of things. We're going to all come together. We're going to pitch into this so that we can make sure that we are out sharing our faith, that nothing stands in the way of us doing this. That's the picture. Everything is focused through this going out and sharing of faith. It's not just focused on social services. It's focused on the going out. That's the reason, the why behind this. And then it tells us a little story. It compares a couple of people. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead. A great fear came on all who heard. I would imagine so. The young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. Now, I know your first thought for many people in this place is, that's a bit harsh. Why in the world do we see this particular story right here at this juncture in Acts? You've got the church who's, who's just active and going and we see these things happening. Well, first of all, the first thing you need to point out in this thing is, God takes seriously those who try to lie to him. God takes very seriously those who try to make themselves out to be something that they are not. And, and I'll just say that I, we talked about this again a little bit a couple of weeks ago. We, we have plenty of people who've been around churches who, who are coming and they're trying to figure out how to look like it, act like it, and be like it. But there's nothing genuine actually happening inside their heart. And I'm not accusing or pointing a finger at anyone. But I'm just saying this. Everybody loves bandwagon, right? 
When the team's going well, people are like, I am on board with that. Oh, they're giving money? I'm going to give some money. I don't want to give that much money. But I'll give some of it. But I want to look like everybody else. I, wanna, I just kind of want to hang on on this. And so there's a little bit of a picture of what's going on. Now, we see a lot of debates as you study this passage more in depth. Well, what exactly happened? You know, did they get found out and had a heart attack and died? Or, you know, did God really just strike them down at that moment? What in the world is going on here? I don't know. I don't know how God does most of the stuff that God does. Just to be honest with you. But I don't know what the point of this story is to say that there was something that was happening here. You see, you see a genuine and an authentic faith being lived out in Barnabas who's saying, man, I am in the midst of this. I see what God's doing, and I trust him with everything. I'm going to give him my all. And so there was a genuine faith and a devotion as opposed to one that's just kind of going through enough of the motions to look like it. You know, and the, you see this authenticity, authenticity, and then you see heart as well. Now, here's the truth, and you can take a deep breath and go, whew, I have no idea what's in your heart. But God does. And that person sitting next to you has no idea what's in your heart, but God does. And so I believe that this is a story that just reminds us that God sees what's in our heart. We cannot lie to God. We cannot make ourselves out to look and be like something and for God not to know exactly what we are. Again. Our church's vision to be a place where people discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God. Fully known by God. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, fully known, Christ died for us, fully loved. And so God already knows our heart, but, but for some reason Ananias and Sapphira were trying to fool the Holy Spirit. They were trying to fool God. They were trying to fool the assembly, and obviously it didn't work. I don't know why I remember this particular one. But, you know, when you're in athletics or when you're doing stuff, they have all these inspirational quotes laying around the locker room or, or something like that. I don't remember half of them. I don't remember actually 99% of them. But I will never forget walking into the locker room, basketball locker room, every day there's a big sign on the wall and it said, you are who you are when no one else is around. And I read that thing every day. And the first time I read it, I went, that's stupid, you know, because I was 15. And then every other day it just kind of kept sinking in my heart of going, that's scary. Because it's true. What's the motivation? What, what are we trying to accomplish? What's driving you this week? What's the point of your week? Is it you? Or is it sharing what God has done in your life with somebody else? And I know you think, good night, pastor, let it go. No, I'm not going to let it go. And it's not some secret to success. And it's not some, I'm just telling you, when you look at the, you, you can't help but discover that this is what it's all about. If you want your faith to be exciting and genuine and real and working, then this is what it's about. Get out there and tell somebody else about it. I don't know what to say. Yes, you do. If you can do what the blind man said, all I know is I was blind and now I see. If you know enough to be able to walk with Christ, you know enough to share with somebody else, period. And that's where you start. And then they'll start asking you questions and you'll start growing in your faith. And you know what else will happen? You'll start asking other people to help you with that, and your fellowship and your friendships will grow. And you'll start getting more convinced as you see God's, God's power changing other people's lives that, wow, there's something to this. And you're going to want to invest in it as well. And that's honestly a picture that we see here. We see a picture of unity, and we see a picture of generosity. Let's dig a little bit deeper in this. Here's a snapshot of the early church. Okay, you ready for this? Here's the snapshot of the early church. Everyone, all the time, everything. 
Every coach wants to write that down and say, all right, team, everyone, all the time, everything. But you know what? That's the picture of what the church was doing at that time. Everyone had the singular focus. They were at it all the time, not just a couple of days a week, not just a few times a day, not just, all the time. This was the underlying goal of everything. And here's what they were invested in, everything, everything. I'll, I just chuckle sometimes when we start talking about money in the church and people get nervous because the biblical goal is everything, not 10%. Just thought we'd tell you that. So let's just get after that, all right? We're going to have an offering here again in just a moment, Howard. I'm just kidding. But that really is it. What does this verse say? They're not lying. It said they didn't hold back anything because the goal of sharing their faith with everybody else was so important that it, everything else became irrelevant. Not for Ananias and Sapphira. For Ananias and Sapphira, it became, I want to look like I'm doing this, but I really want to hold on to these type of things over here. Pastor, quit stepping on my toes. <laughs> wow, quit stepping on my own toes as well, but that's the picture. That's what was going on at this time. They were all in. And when they decided they were all in, and when the bandwagon got going, people decided they wanted to be like them. So let's talk about this unity, and let's talk about this generosity for just a minute. And I want to say this again. I feel like I need to say it every time we talk about unity. Please do not confuse unity with uniformity. I cannot confuse unity with uniformity. God did not make us all to look alike, think alike, act alike, live out our faith alike. But we can have a singular focus. I'll just put it this way again. If everyone in this place made it their goal this week that they're going to go from this place and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those that they come in contact with, it is not going to look the same. It's going to look completely different. Some of you are going to be able to do that with five, ten. Some of you are going to be able to do that with one. Some of you are going to be quiet about it. Some of you are going to be loud about it. Unity and uniformity are two totally different things. It, it wasn't cookie cutter the way that this looked like, Okay. And you, you got to understand that there's no way that you're ever going to get two or three people gathered together, even though that they can agree on that God is with them and that they're doing things, but they're never going to necessarily agree on, well, this is my favorite color, or this is my favorite thing, or this is how we should do that. God's created us, and he's wired it that way. Relax and be okay with it. When we have church conferences and there's not a 100% vote, relax and be okay with it. It's all right. God gives us opinions. God gives us things. It's okay. Coke people, raise your hand. Okay, Diet Coke people, raise your hand. Y'all are weird. Just want y'all to know that. Okay, Pepsi people, anybody in here? Yeah, we live in the South. Y'all need to just, okay, see, we got one. All right, Dr. Pepper people, here we go. There we go, see. Welcome to, you see what I'm saying? We're all going to have different tastes. We don't all have to be uniform, but we do have to be unified. And they're two different things. And those type of things lead us. And so the source of unity, what was the source of unity for the early church? It's the gospel. That's it. It's the gospel. The gospel was the source of unity. The source of unity was the fact that no matter everything else that's going on, we must, we must, we must get this story out to other people. No matter what else is happening, we must get this story out to other people. No matter if the sanctuary is being repaired, we must get this out to other people. No matter what gets built on the South Campus, we must get this story out to people. No matter what happens, we must get this story out to people. 
Everything else falls in line after that. Everything else falls in line after we're getting the story out to other people. That was the source of unity, was the gospel. And then you see them so bought into this, ha, 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 literally, bought into this, that generosity just wells up in the church. Why? Because they don't want anything to hinder this getting out of the gospel. And so here's the statement that I have for you about generosity this morning. My generosity has to do with application, not comprehension. I don't need to explain to any person sitting in this place today what generosity is. You know what it is. We don't have a comprehension issue most of the time when it comes to generosity. We have an application issue most of the time when it comes to generosity. Oh, pastor, here you are talking about money in the church. Yes, because the more money you give, the more we can get the word of God out to other people. So unashamedly, I'm saying that's what it's about. When you give to our budget, it helps fund our ministry, which gets the word of God out to people. Period. So that's what it's about. Well, it turns on lights too. Would you like lights on as we study the gospel this morning? Okay. Oh, it pays salaries too. Thank you. It does. I would like a place to live. I like eating, you know. Those things are good and stuff like that. It gets the gospel out. We all come together and we do these things. And so generosity has to do with application, not comprehension. So let me just give you a very simple story that every parent in here will understand. Here's your quote for the morning. We often complicate things that we do not wish to obey. We often complicate things that we do not wish to obey. Son, I need you to go clean your room. I can't. It's too hard. Or you messed it all up. Yeah, but I can't clean. It's too hard. We often complicate things that we wish to obey. We know how to do it. We just flat don't want to do. And that's the issue. I mean, that's really it. Now, here's what's a big difference that we see between the early church and not, can I just say, this is not a First Baptist issue. This is an across-the-board churches issue. So I'm, I'm not just talking about it. I'll even say it this way. If you find offensive what I'm saying and you don't want to give to this church, then give it to Northside. Fine. But give it to somebody that's going to go share the gospel and get the word out because God wants us to be generous as believers. And so this is what we're doing. We're funding this, and we often complicate that, which we do not wish to obey. And so we see that what's happening at this point in time is that they weren't complicating things. They were just everybody came together and everything was all together and everybody was working together so that they could get the gospel out, period. That's the picture of what we see. Don't make it harder than it is. It's right there. And so here's the other truth that we see in this. When, when the gospel becomes so important in our lives, and the gospel, if you're wondering why are you using that church word, the gospel is a simple term that means good news. We're sharing the good news of Christ with others. When the gospel becomes the ultimate, most important thing that drives my week and it drives my year, and it drives everything that I do that I have to get this message out, then everything else begins to fall in line behind that. My Bible study falls in line behind that. My prayer life falls in line behind that. My giving falls in line behind that. The way that I act, the way that I think, the way that I treat other people falls in line behind that. 
This is the picture that we see here. And so here's what you need to understand. The gospel can free me from self and from stuff. And that's good news. When the gospel becomes so important that it is the thing that drives everything, I all of a sudden become free from self. My week is not no, is not no longer. How about that for your grammar this morning? My week ain't no longer none focused. I am no longer focused on myself for the week, but I'm focused on the fact that I have to share this good news with others that I come in contact with. And that's what drives my week. And when that drives your week, then everything else, all the interactions you have with other believers and your prayer life just becomes refreshing in times of just charging up. And it's great because the gospel can free you from self-focused things. Guys, it's so easy to get focused on self. I got enough issues. I got things that I can deal with. But you know what helps me get beyond those things? When I start saying those don't matter, I got to share the gospel with other people. Now, I can tell you stories of how I did that this week. Because I knew I was preaching it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I did. God gave me some wonderful opportunities to talk with people I didn't even think I'd be able to talk with about this is what this means. And it's awesome. It transforms your week. So I'm not just preaching what I believe. I'm preaching what I know this morning. I'm preaching what I know. It puts everything else in perspective and in place. And so the last thing to share this morning as we close this up is this. Is that unity that we see in the church happening right here. Unity is a result of a right attitude leading to a right action. A right attitude leading to a right action. Barnabas had a right attitude and it led to a right action. He gave generously and he gave freely. And I, and Sapphira had right actions, but not necessarily the right attitude, not necessarily the right heart. So if we want to be unified, if we want to see God doing incredible things, if we want to see him answering prayers like he answers the prayers of the disciples in the book of Acts, then I just, again, draw it all in and say, then our prayer life needs to be focused on what are we doing to share the gospel? Because then everything else will fall in line behind that. How do we maintain a right attitude? We pray. We stay connected with God. And how do we have right actions? Anybody want to guess? We go share the gospel. Let me close with this thought. You never have to guess if it's God's will for you to share the good news with someone else. The answer is 100% of the time, yes. So if you're struggling with going, I don't know what God's will is or how to live it out, then go start telling people about him and you'll figure it out.